1: And I'm excited it's going to have, um, of course, President Green, Chief Tracy, Dr. Coyle, uh, of course, Gore, um, Gabe Gore, our circuit attorney, uh, Dr. Punch, who I have the utmost, utmost respect and admiration for the work that he does in the community. It's immeasurable. <laughs>
0: St. Louis Alderwoman Shamine Clark Hubbard will be in attendance tonight at the St. Louis Public Safety Town Hall, which is happening at the Urban League of Metro St. Louis on Kings Highway. It again is happening tonight. We'll get started at 6 o'clock. And we are joined now on the Quiver River Electric guest line by Alderwoman Megan Green, who is president of the Board of Aldermen, uh, joining us now on the Quiver River Electric guest line. Good morning, uh, Alderwoman. It is good to talk to you. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: Uh, We're doing well over here. And um, I know that a lot of people are looking forward to what happens uh, tonight. What do we expect? Because I know it's open to open to the public. Uh, Chief Tracy is going to be there. What are your expectations for this town hall?
1: Well, really, we want to make sure that the public understands that public safety is a coordinated effort between city government and community organizations. And I think that's why we've been really intentional to make sure that we have both at the table. Um, so that the public also comes away with an understanding of who is responsible for what. You know, what's the role of the, the Board of Aldermen in the public safety process versus the chief versus community organizations? Um, and then answering those um, burning questions that the public has.
2: Will tonight's meeting address at all the severe shortage of police officers in St. Louis City?
1: You know, we've had um, a lot of questions that have been submitted already. Uh, I know that my team has been going through them to put them into kind of categories. So I I would guess that that's um, one of the things that is is going to come up. But I do think that um, when we talk about things like police staffing numbers, we still have to recognize that we are one of the highest staffed police departments per capita in the country, and especially coming off of a year where we have had um, dramatic decreases in uh, number of crimes in the city. I think we have to understand that policing is only one piece of the puzzle um, and and that there's a lot more to public safety than simply police or the number of police officers. Uh,
0: to that point, the argument has been that there aren't enough police in the city of St. Louis, which is part of the issue that, as it pertains to crime. Do you, So you believe that's not true, that there are enough police in the city?
1: I do. I think that we have to understand that um, when we're talking about shortages, it's in relation to um, our authorized force level. And St. Louis police force's authorized force level is among the highest per capita in the entire country. And even with the, the, you know, 200, um, down officers that that we have below that authorized force level, we still have some of the highest numbers uh, of officers per capita in the entire country. And so I, I think we need to be really real about that and recognize that um, you know, what we need to be working toward is the most effective and efficient use of our police resources and also investment in those community organizations and other partnerships that really get at the root causes of crime.
2: Yeah, and I definitely understand that public safety goes beyond the number of police officers and policing. It's multifaceted. But I think there are definitely people in the city who feel like, well, we say there are enough police officers, but there was one um, day Back in September, when there were only two police officers to work an entire shift uh, in District 3, and then they called in sick, Uh, that seems—so District 3 had no police officers. That seems a little thin.
1: I mean, I think, again, what we need to to be looking at is the way that our police department is structured. Um, We have a very top-heavy police department and have historically had a police department where we promote people off the street. Uh, for all intents and purposes, and and so I think you know part of discussions around policing need to be about how we allocate the resources we have, not simply to just always add more
0: so you're saying that there are uh, too many people in say management administration or whatever as opposed to being on the street.
2: Correct. Um, Also, what about the 911 dispatchers? Obviously, the issue of 911 calls uh, being on hold for 30, 45 minutes. Uh, This was personal for me. Um, A mutual acquaintance had a cardiac event in Forest Park, could not get an ambulance there for over 35 minutes. Um, He eventually died. What can you tell residents who are frustrated and don't have confidence in 911 dispatchers being able to answer their calls in a timely fashion and also to dispatch emergency services in a rapid fashion?
1: Well, I think we need to give actually a lot of props to Mayor Jones and to um, our personnel director, Sonia Gray. Uh, They have, uh, over the last probably four or five months, dramatically increased the number of 911. Uh, call center operators to the point where um, we're around having 80% of calls uh, answered, I think, within that 10-second range, which is the national standard that we're going to. Does it still need some improvement? Yes. Um, But the efforts that they've been making in in hiring and, you know, after the Board of Aldermen in partnership with the mayor and comptroller were able to raise wages um, we've seen a lot more interest in the job and have been able to fill those positions. So I anticipate that's only going to keep getting better.
0: St. Louis President of the Board of Aldermen, uh, Megan Green, is with us here on KMOX. We uh, we saw last week, at the beginning of last week, some of the latest homicide numbers in the city of St. Louis, which have gone down um, the, the sexual assault, robbery, aggravated assault, uh, felony theft also uh, falling about 22 percent. There is also the story about how much of that data is, is being given to the public. Should we be able to see more of that it, it, or, or are we getting what we what you believe we need?
1: I do think that uh, transparency is good. I I think having these crime uh, stat numbers publicly available like we have historically is um, what we should be doing. And it is my understanding that on Friday, that um, information was put up on the city website and that, uh, you know, the the police department responded to the, the critique and was able to get that information. And my understanding is from here on out, that information will be provided.
2: What about the, there was a crime summit several months ago with uh, business leaders, city leaders, and there was the focused deterrence program out of University of Maryland headed by uh, Thomas Apt of the Council on Criminal Justice, that he would be partnering with the city, with the region to fight crime, also with that focused deterrence uh, approach have you been in much contact uh with Thomas Apt in that program over the months since that meeting
1: we have my office has been involved um with those meetings and and with that summit focused deterrence certainly is um, a model that has showed some really promising results um across the country i you know i think the the thing that is um, good about it is it really requires that partnership between community organizations, city government, law enforcement, prosecutor's office um, to take more of a preventative approach to crime than a reactive approach to crime.
0: Visiting with the president of the board of aldermen, Megan Green, here on KMOX. and. Um, As a resident yourself, I I know that you are privy to information and and you can, you know, you have the ability to speak with uh, city leadership. Are there questions you have? So for a a public hearing like tonight, are there things that you would like to see answered?
1: I mean, I I think from my point of view, um, the way I I approach public safety um, as president of the board is that we, you know, Anytime that we're giving more authority to police, we also need to be creating um, more regulation, oversight, and transparency. And so I'm, I'm interested in digging into that. I mean, we're um, getting ready at the, the board to forward two different bills, one um, that would establish an automated traffic enforcement system in the city to address traffic violence. But then we're pairing that Um, with another bill that would create oversight um, for those surveillance systems. So when um, there is more um, surveillance, whether it's through traffic cameras or or things like ShotSpotter, that the public is aware and has the ability to provide input um, in the use of those technologies before they get implemented. I think that part of the piece of the puzzle to reducing crime has to be building trust between communities um, and law enforcement and city government. And one of the ways that we can always do that is through enhancing transparency.
2: I know a lot of times with, city leaders, I mean, and rightfully so, they're optimistic about the city or they're optimistic about plans that they will be implementing to grow the city, to fight crime. However, we also see that the city is losing residents and that businesses are closing or leaving and that there is a perception that it's just not safe. How would you explain that disconnect between the messages coming out of City Hall and what the people in the city and the outside areas perceive um, of what's going on?
1: I mean, I, I think first and foremost, we have to get better at telling our story. You know, almost every night you turn on the, the nightly local, local news and all you see is negative information about the city when we have a lot of really great things that are happening here. And when it comes to population decline, I think we also have to recognize that Um, perceptions of public safety may be one reason that um, folks don't want to live in the city, but there are a lot of reasons. I mean, I, um, you know, I've been a, a professor for years and worked with students that come from all across the country. They love St. Louis, but they don't stay here because they are queer and they are afraid of what our state government will do to them. Or they don't like that they have lost their rights to bodily autonomy and to make their own reproductive health choices. And so they end up leaving, not because they don't like St. Louis, but because they do not like the regressive policies that are being passed through Jefferson city.
0: Do, do you also think it may have something to do with the perception that there just isn't much going on? Cause I know a lot of people who, who just say that, that I have visitors from out of town who will, who come here and they'll say, man, there's, there's not anything happening here.
1: I I take a lot of, I think, um, you know, I'll push back on that a lot. I think we have a a lot of really great things happening in St. Louis. We have great amenities. We have a great, um, you know, museum, zoo district. We have wonderful art scene and food scene. And, you know, a lot of times when I host folks from out of town, they come away from St. Louis and they say, wow, all we hear nationally is all of this negative news about St. Louis. But actually, once I've been here and I've gotten opportunity to engage in our arts community or engage in our music community or go to our museums, they're in love with this city. And um, and they don't understand why both we talk so negatively about ourselves and nationally they talk so negatively about us.
0: Tonight, six o'clock until seven thirty at the Urban League of Metropolitan St. Louis. It is a public safety town hall, fourteen oh eight North Kings Highway. It's in the Fountain Park neighborhood. Board of Aldermen President Megan Green. Thank you for your time today. Thank you